1: This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Monty Fan, the 2017 FFPC Main Event regular season points champion, a multi-league winner in the main event, and owner of both a top 10 and a top 20 finish in the competition. His career winnings total more than $30,000. In this episode, we break down the Amari Cooper trade from both a redraft and dynasty standpoint, what he expects from Nick Chubb and C.J. Uzoma the rest of the way, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it helps support the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's thirty thousand dollar FFPC winner Monty Fan. Sitting here with uh, I'm on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown again this week uh, with uh, a guy. Well, see, here's the thing, uh, Monty Fan is is my is my guest this week. And you and I, we both love fantasy football. We, we both are journalists and, and now we're, we're both, you know, contributors to Rotoviz. So thanks for joining the the show.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: It's, uh, it's always good to talk to you, man, for sure. When I, I kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. Um, and I know your, your life has, has changed recently as, as far as, um, what, what you're doing, but when you are not uh, writing for Rotoviz and doing work for them when you're not playing in the FFPC. Uh, tell us what you are doing and how you are spending your time.
3: Uh, I, uh, used to be a newspaper reporter and, um, my wife is in public relations. We had met in college and, uh, when my daughter was born in 2005, uh, when she was about nine months old, uh, the, the newspaper I was working for was Newsday in New York and they were offering buyouts and uh, I took it to be an at-home dad and so that's what I've been doing since then with the occasional freelancing gig uh, writing gig here and there and uh, like you mentioned uh, for the past I don't know about 6 months or so I've been doing regular stuff for Roto-Biz.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and we'll we'll definitely, we want to get into that for sure. The work you're doing there, I think, is, is stuff that high-stakes owners need to be paying attention to and following up on. Stuff that people care about right away at the top of the show. This might be a little bit dated mm-hmm. by the time uh, it's released, but Amari Cooper, no longer a Raider, Monty, as he is in Big D as a cowboy after the trade uh, for the first-round pick. Your thoughts. Um, let's first talk about uh, what Amari Cooper means in Dallas, as far as his, um, as far as his, uh, you know, annual value, and then uh, if you want to get into any dynasty value of of what you what you see coming uh, down the pike for Amari Cooper as a
3: Cowboy. Sure. Uh, well, coincidentally, I have happened to be a Cowboys fan for thirty some odd years now. Uh, I'm. It, it it gives me a little agita when I see first-round pick for a uh, receiver since they did similar trades for Joey Galloway and Roy Williams, and I'm hoping this does not fall into that same category. But uh, I'm a big Amari fan as well. We We drafted him all over the place in uh, FFPC this year. And uh, I own him on a couple dynasty teams too. Um, I, I guess for this season, um, you know, it's the, the timing is nice that he gets the uh, a second by week in a row to try to learn the, the Cowboys offense. Um, I have seen a lot of people saying that they would have rather him go almost anywhere else. But um, I do think he'll 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 be fed a lot in Dallas. Um, I mean, they have a young quarterback. They have a a young, good running back. Their offensive line had some issues this season, Uh, but it uh, it's still a good line and their defense is up and coming. So, you know, I I don't have the numbers off the top of my head just from watching him. It doesn't seem like Dallas runs a ton of plays. But uh, they have, like, no one to throw to. And so he is the de facto number one. Uh, They have a young receiver in Michael Gallup. So uh, the two of them could be a a pretty good combination. And uh, I know that Amari's been playing from the slot a lot more, which is kind of Cole Beasley's territory. But, um, you know, and, and it's been frustrating being a Cowboys fan and knowing that Prescott doesn't take a lot of deep shots, but, uh, you know, Amari seems pretty good after the catch from what I've seen of him as well. So, um, it's, yeah, it could have been better, but, uh, I still think it's a pretty good fit. Um, and, uh, so for this season, you know, on the teams I have him, I'll probably wait at least for the first game after the buy to see how they use him. Uh, but Dallas has a pretty good uh, passing schedule coming up. And uh, I think I read, especially in the playoffs, uh, during the playoff weeks, it's uh, they face some pretty weak passing defenses. So uh, I guess it's kind of a wait and see.
1: As far as as Dynasty goes for Amari Cooper, I own him in, I think, one league. Um, and I'm wondering if, if I need to be striking while the iron's hot right now. I considered – sending out um an offer to everybody in my league uh Amari Cooper for their 2019 first round pick. Is that something that you would advocate for trading in Amari Cooper for a first rounder right now or do you think hey this is a guy with a change of scenery that's all he needed. He's going to get a lot of targets from a young quarterback there. Uh you don't want to trade him right now because his value is about to go up. Your thoughts on that?
3: I'm stubborn and I have turned down a million <laughs> offers from Amari Cooper. Over the past few years, because um, I, I mean, I'm in one dynasty where uh, I had the one one, and uh, because I was focused on building my team around receivers, I actually took him above Gurley, and which you know, looking back now, doesn't seem so smart. But um, I, I'm not terribly high on draft picks. I see even first rounders as, you know, practically a coin flip as to whether uh, they are going to pan out. And um, I'm also someone who's focused on the near term. And so Amari Cooper has shown that he is capable of having uh, seasons that uh, are among elite receivers. And, So that is already, you know, when you're drafting, a a, a, say, a receiver next year, uh, there's no guarantee that that receiver is going to have, say, even 1,000-yard season, and Amari has. So if you are looking to just unload him, yes, I think a first-rounder is a fair price, Uh, but I would say that, his value right now uh, is probably at one of the lowest points it has been and uh, I think that uh, if I was in dynasty I'd be holding him
1: let's yeah. let's flip this to uh, to the raiders side of things for for the remainder of this season who who picks up the slack there I mean as far as the pass catching goes, is it Jordy Nelson, Martavis Bryant, Jared Cook, Jalen Rashard? Is it a combination of those guys? Who do you see with the uptick in production? Or maybe do you see Jordy Nelson and Jared Cook getting flipped uh, now? It seems like Oakland is, is building assets for the future.
3: Well, I, I do think uh, uh, Jared Cook benefits. Um, I believe that Seth Roberts had been seeing a lot more targets recently Uh, I've never been really sold on Martavis Bryant. Um, I think if you were looking for a guy who's available on the wire right now, Seth Roberts would be a pretty decent pickup. Um, I think that if you were looking to uh, trade for somebody with tight end being such a thin position this year, If uh, someone has Jared Cook and another strong tight end and maybe thinks he's selling high on Cook, I think he would be a a pretty decent target to go after, seeing as uh, he's been getting a lot of red zone targets. And, um, you know, that offense seems in disarray. Marshawn Lynch just went on IR. You would think that uh, Carr would be probably they'd be playing from behind and passing more. So, um, and, and, you know, he, he just doesn't seem that confident and someone like Martavis Bryant, who makes his living going deep, uh, Carr just doesn't seem like he is, uh, in a position right now to make those throws. So, you know, guys who are more intermediate like, uh, cook and Roberts and, uh, Jordy as well. Now, um, could all see pretty big upticks.
1: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to watch to see that, uh, how that passing uh, uh, offense uh, evolves now without Amari Cooper there. Um, let's talk about another receiver that uh, you guys had drafted, uh, uh, not drafted, you um, picked him up off the waiver wire fairly early in the season, and that was uh, Tyler Boyd, who uh, has been breaking out this season. Look, I mean, I, I know he had the, the rough game this week, but other than that, he's been really, really good. Do you see um, a reason? For why he's breaking out in 2018 and then similarly is there another receiver that perhaps might be on the waiver wire right now I know you just mentioned Seth Roberts uh that could break out here as we enter the second half of the fantasy season
3: yeah I was uh well Sean Siegel on on Rotovis had actually mentioned in in one story that he was targeting uh Tyler Boyd at the end of his drafts and uh, it's one of those things where you read in the offseason and uh, you think, oh, man, yeah, make a mental note of that. And uh, and I only remembered a few times to grab him. Um, and after I think he had first uh, big first week and uh, I know big first week, big second week, I believe. And um, yeah, I grabbed him in a FFPC dynasty for uh, and not. You know, it was for, what, about 180 I think, out of the $1,000 budget, and uh, the next highest bid was only $80. So um, I think he, he was on – I know he was on Sean Siegel's radar because of the end of last season when uh, he started making more plays. I, I think of him as uh, sort of similar to Nelson Aguilar last year, Aguilar was in his third year last year, like Boyd is this season, and uh, they both were guys that seemed to have a lot of hype their rookie years, and then kind of disappointed, and people forgot about them, and uh, Aguilar last year was a a big help on one of our main event teams where, uh, you know, it wasn't a guy who was a threat to really go off, but was always pretty reliable for, you know, those twelve to eighteen points that uh you know you look for in 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 uh say a flex position every week. And um Boyd has been uh, the same. I just think that playing opposite AJ Green and uh having uh, an offense that seems to be running better and then lacking uh Tyler Eifert and um Gio Bernard getting hurt and getting some of those targets opening up that uh, and drawn and, and Ross as well hasn't been able to stay on the field. So, you know, it's both the fact that he was a good prospect and that uh, they all, you know, don't have a ton of people to throw to now.
1: I'm, I'm looking at another guy that I, I think could be um, a potential league winner uh, this season in in Nick Chubb. He was a mid-round pick on this main event team that you guys have here in the top 100. Um, your, your patience on, on waiting on him this season and not releasing him, it, it's starting to pay off. I mean, he gets the 18 for 80 and a touchdown this week. If you were to put together any sort of rest of season running back ranks, how high would you put Nick Chubb on that list?
3: It's hard because traditionally I'm not a big fan of rookie running backs in the main event format because it, it it's a position that seems to take a while to get going. You have uh, someone like Sony Michelle who has really come on, but you know the first month or so of the season couldn't really rely on him. Um, you know, Ronald Jones hasn't done very much. Rashad Penny hasn't done very much. And uh, Chubb has had big games, but unless you were playing a, a best ball format, he he wasn't going to be in your lineup. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's fortunate. I, I think if Hyde were still on the team, you know, Chubb would be one of those guys we would cut in an emergency if we really needed say a backup tight end to fill a bye week or something like that. Uh, it's nice that, uh, he has the starting role now. Um, again, it's, it's difficult because, uh, I don't think he sees a lot of targets. Duke Johnson fills that role and in a PPR format, uh, Guys who don't catch the ball need a lot of volume, and if he, uh, I think the, the 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 last game the Browns played, Chubb was on the field for two thirds of the time, which is is pretty good. But again, it's you know first and second downs, and so um, I think rest of season he is uh, especially now that we have four or six bye week teams now every week for the next four or five weeks uh he makes a, a very good rb3 flex guy uh with i would say you know rb2 upside um we'll probably be pl- plugging him a lot uh, over the next few weeks just to fill buys and uh, which is good because you know uh, he is one of those guys I'm, I'm glad to have in there and um we'll see how how he does uh, the browns often seems to be on the upswing, and uh, they face some pretty weak defenses. So, uh, yeah, definitely a guy I'm glad we did not cut, and probably will be a nice, very nice bye week fill in for us. And uh, we'll see how it goes from
1: there. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you look at uh, Nick Chubb, and and uh, w- w- he's kind of an unknown right now, but it's a good unknown. And uh, we'll see if he can meet all the uh, the potential that, that he has in, in as far as the 2018 season goes. C.J. Uzoma, the tight end in Cincinnati. Boy, Andy Dalton has, has liked throwing to him, especially towards the end zone. No Tyler Eifert. We don't know the update on Tyler Croft. But in a tight end premium format, we are coming up on the bye week gauntlet, especially when you get to those sixteen bye weeks. Is Yuzima? I mean, is he going to be a guy that you are going to be looking at, at at starting every week? And we'll start with with this week right now in uh, what could be a shootout in Tampa as the Bengals take on the Buccaneers.
3: Yes, uh, uh, definitely glad we grabbed him. Tight end is is such a weird position this season with the amount of injuries. Um, I mean, any guy who looks like he has any sort of potential to catch a few passes every week is getting uh, snatched up in waivers. And, um, yeah, I, I do think he's definitely uh, in consideration of among the teams that we have for starting this week. Um... He did get, uh, I think he only caught two passes that uh, Sunday night game. But then again, the whole uh, Bengals offense seemed to be in disarray, and 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 Andy Dalton was even pulled late in the game. So, uh, but yeah, I I think that um, he is is someone. Listen, you know, I was I was looking at the. The bye weeks this week, Tennessee, Chargers, Dallas, and Atlanta. And among those, really only Atlanta has the Austin Hooper, who's who's uh, startable every week. So uh, this week for, you know, you, you you look to those weeks when there are a lot of good tight ends who are going to have byes. Uh, this week doesn't seem to be one of them. So I'm not sure how much... Um, zoma will be used this week but uh yeah that 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 matchup against tampa bay is is very tempting so i would say uh you know he's probably going to be in that 60 70 percent
0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.
3: Tight end starters.
1: It's still in that same game. Uh, as long as we're talking about the Buccaneers, Chris Godwin uh, was a guy that I know a lot of people at the, at the start of the season felt like this was going to be um, the year that that he overtook Deshaun Jackson, and and he certainly had his share of of decent games, but Deshaun Jackson hasn't been going away. I mean, he's had a couple of of big plays that have turned into good weeks for him too. Do you see that, that Godwin will, will eventually overtake Jackson yet this season or is, is this something we'll probably be waiting for again until 2019?
3: Yeah, I, I, I see it as uh, almost similar to Detroit where they have uh, Tate, Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. And uh it looks like Jackson is signed through next season, but he'll be he'll be 32 next year. Uh, the, the Bucks could decide you know just to cut bait. They have you know uh, Mike Evans and uh, OJ Howard and, and Cameron Brayton there too, and uh, you know the running backs. so, yeah, I, I do think that that, that Godwin, the tar, the targets he seems to be getting uh, seems to be outnumbering. I have, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but uh, he, you know, he does seem to be. They still work to Deshaun Jackson in there a ton, but I do think as we see the season progress, that uh, we'll see Godwin. Uh, right now, he just seems to be the better player. And if you think that uh, the cream rises to the top, I do think that um, as we as the season progresses, he'll overtake Deshaun.
1: The FFPC Dynasty League um, that you had mentioned earlier, at what point in the season, and I guess this isn't necessarily true of that league, but true of any Dynasty Leagues that you're in, at what point in the season do you sort of make the call of, okay, I'm either going to go for it this season and I'm going to try to get that piece that I'm missing and ship off a draft pick or a young younger player for him, or realize that, you know what, even if I get to the playoffs, um, I, I'm not going to be able to do enough damage. This roster just isn't good enough. I need to improve for next year. At what point of the season do you normally – Um, make that call is it is it deeper than this is it right at this time have you already made the call in your dynasty leagues um i i I know it's sort of a sliding scale but by and large when do you usually like to make that decision
3: it's funny because uh i'm in a a dynasty not not an ffpc but with just uh, a bunch of friends and uh i'm uh before last week i was one in five and i just felt like i just you know you you have that bad luck where every week it seems you, you play your opponent has the best week of his, of his season so far. And, um, I had a friend text me to say, uh, you know, are you looking toward next season? Because, uh, I'm looking to complete some, you know, get some pieces for a title run. And uh, I said, that's my move. I, I'm the one who, who does that. <laughs> I'm having a good year, and I try to pick the carcass of uh, some of the weaker teams. So, uh, you know, it, 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 of course, each league, it depends on when your trade deadline is, if you even have one. Um, in the FFPC, uh, Dynasty League that I'm in, um, I'm actually doing very well and have started, uh, you know, and have acquired a lot of depth and have started trying to, uh, you know, do two-for-ones where uh, hopefully, you know, you make the other team a little bit better while upgrading to, you know, a receiver on, uh, say, the level of uh, Beckham or Keenan Allen or someone like that just to uh, solidify things. Because I, I, what I hate is I like depth, but when you hit the playoffs and – you can't decide which guys to start because they all seem so good, and you know, you face that uh regret if you end up starting the wrong guy. Um, I like to have more clear cut choices, and uh, in FFPC, particularly, um, I don't think that format is uh makes draft picks that valuable just because we have a 20 man roster with, you know, uh, off-season cuts that make the roster down to 16 guys, you can, you know, the draft picks aren't as as valuable because if you don't get a, a surefire uh, hit, um, I, I drafted uh, Kiki Q T uh, in the off-season, and when it came time to make cuts for the regular season, I had to cut him loose because uh, as much as I liked him, I didn't have the space. And so someone else grabbed him this season. And, um, so for that reason, yeah, I, I do think if you are in contention, uh, look for guys who may value those draft picks pretty highly. And, uh, you know, uh, look for some of the weaker teams and, and try to acquire some, you know, even some older guys who, um, look like, you know, they're, they're, they still got it this season. And, uh, Maybe some other teams are, are looking to unload some of them, um, but yeah, FFPC season is more than halfway through now, and uh, you can you can tell who who the teams are that are that are pretty good from the ones that aren't. So uh, no, I don't I don't think it's too early just to start looking to them next season if uh, if you're not doing that well.
1: Yeah, you want to be proactive. You want to have a sense of clarity, and I think uh, a lot of times you can go with your gut and and whether you whether you're in it or you're not, whether, you know, if you're in it or not, if you believe it, you're right. So, and and that's the sort of look at it going forward. Um, I'll tell you a team that is not necessarily a a believer in their former number one pick is the Miami dolphins talking about Devante Parker this week when Adam Gase was asked if, if he's going to be active because Kenny Stills is hurt. Albert Wilson might be out for the year. Uh, Gase basically said, well, we, we don't really have any other receivers Yet or left and and so we'll probably have to play him. Uh, and it was less than a ringing endorsement for Devontae Parker. Is he worth taking a, a flyer on? With again, by all the bye week issues that are coming up that are going on now, is he a guy that that you want to have on your roster if he's available in your league, Monty? Or is he a guy that you're just like, when am I ever going to play this guy? How do how do you view Devontae Parker?
3: I I think that. Yes, anytime you have a starting receiver uh on the wire who is uh, looks like one way or another he's gonna get targets, uh it's worth picking him up so in in that sense, yes, it's it's hard to trust what you know a lot of what the dolphins say and and do because you know this whole season it really has seemed that. Uh, f- while Frank Gore has held up pretty well uh, Kenyon Drake has has uh, really performed well when given the chance and uh, but doesn't seem to get a lot of those chances so um, you know on a short week I think it's worth picking Parker up. It seems like these other uh, receivers, Stills and Albert Wilson, are going to be out a while. Uh, It's worth seeing what Parker does on the field. Um, Another guy that seems to be available on a lot of wires is is Danny Amendola. He's banged up too, but I think he's seen something like – I want to say like 14 or 18 targets the last couple of weeks with Osweiler. So um, to me, he would be the better option, assuming he plays. But if he doesn't, it it may be only Parker. And I don't even know who else, which other receivers would be out there. So um, I guess Jakeem Grant. Um, So, yeah, I do think he's worth picking up. Uh, And just, uh, you know, seeing what happens with the Dolphins, uh, whether he gets thrown to or not.
1: By the time uh, everyone hears this, Monty, the FFPC waivers for Wednesday uh, will have run. Is there a particular player that you guys are aggressively looking at this week that's on the waiver wire that needs to be owned? Or is this sort of a week that you're just making sure, okay, I got a kicker, I got a defense, quarterback and tight end is in order, I'm I'm good, uh, I'll just make a few cursory bids. How are you guys approaching the waiver wire this week?
3: Uh, there's always guys we bid on. Uh, it just depends on you know, how aggressive we want to be. Uh, like I like I mentioned, Amendola needs to be available in, in both main event leagues that we're in, uh, and just to, based on his usage, I would say he's uh, we'll probably make it a priority to try to to get him um, in this tight end premium format. Uh, it always seems there's one guy every week who seems to jump out and. Uh, you know, is is worth bidding on just to see how he does the rest of the year. And I think for me, it's Chris Herndon for the Jets, their rookie tight end. Um, I I'm not a big fan of rookie tight ends. It takes that that position is difficult to learn and usually takes a few years. But you know, every once in a while, you get a guy like Evan Ingram who uh, makes a huge impact. And as we saw last year when uh, Beckham was out, when I think Sterling Sharp was injured, and you know they had they had to throw to Ingram just because he was one of the only guys uh, out there to throw to. So with uh, Quincy and out for the Jets, and uh, the Terrell Pryor getting cut, uh, you know you had Jermaine Curse last week, who a lot of people started thinking he would be a good sleeper, and he got zero targets. So uh, I think in a format where, uh, again. The tight end position is so injury ravaged that uh, you're looking for any guy with uh, two hands and a pulse turned <laughs> in, uh, you know, he, he'll probably be a guy that we don't, you know, sell out for. But, uh, you know, see who's droppable on our roster and uh, maybe look look to add someone like him. Is there, um
1: is there a stud yes. that uh, you might consider sitting in any of your leagues this week because of a really bad matchup because of underperformance um, and then uh, also Monty is there a sleeper that will be on a lot of FFPC benches this week that you think uh, should actually be in starting lineups?
3: Uh, well as far as uh, uh, studs I was looking at uh, mainly just from the from the quarterback position, uh, Cam Newton, Faces uh, Baltimore this week. Um, I think I had read that Baltimore has not given up any rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks this year. Um, and just in general, they're, they are a tough defense to face. And while he seems like a no-brainer starter every week, uh, if you have another option, this week might be be one to consider benching him um and then you know you always look to see who who's facing jacksonville even though they don't seem to be as elite a defense as uh they were last year um a lot of people benched deshaun watson who was a high pick uh they benched him against jacksonville and and uh i think in ffpc scoring he only had like 12 points so that seemed to be a pretty good decision and this week they face uh, Philadelphia. So, uh, you know, Wentz has been uh, a pretty good no brainer starter. I might think about benching him this week. Um, as far as sleepers, uh, yeah, I think I mentioned Amandola. Uh, we talked about Uzoma. Uh, I think he's definitely worth considering. Um, I, uh, in another league, got burned by Jermaine Curse last week when I thought I was pretty smart in starting him. Uh, the Jets face the Bears. And, uh, you know, that Bears defense, which looks so good, first part of the year, seems to be involved more and more in shootouts now. Um, it's risky, but, uh, you know, Jermaine Curse again, might be someone... Uh, to go to go back to this week in the sense that you know he had ten targets two weeks ago he had zero last week um, you know if you're if you're really desperate it seems like he would be a good candidate to uh, bounce back into that at least uh, six eight ten target range
1: we had mentioned. Um your contributions and, and your, and the work you've done for Rotoviz um earlier in the show, tell the listeners a little bit about some of the work that you have done already and any projects that you may
3: or may not be working on currently. Uh, well, mainly just this season, it's been um, on Mondays. I will do some sort of, uh, you know, weekend wrap up of, 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 the NFL uh, Thursday and Sunday games, as they relate to FFPC, we have. Uh, I run uh, two main event teams with uh, me and three other guys, and we have a super bracket team and and a couple best ball teams as well. Um, and so we, uh, I kind of recap things on that Monday, and then uh, on Thursday there is kind of a look ahead I, I look at uh some of the big waiver pickups that week uh some of the matchups and just uh, you know some loose advice on you know if you say you're doing um main event for the first time and uh maybe you uh aren't doing as well as you hoped or you're doing better than you thought and just some kind of strategy things to look out for and then on friday's we have a uh, Terminator team, uh, which is the format where every week you have to, it's a best ball format where every week you have to cut one player from your squad uh, by the Sunday deadline. And uh, it gets into pretty interesting territory now because uh, a normal, in the head to head leagues, you have a 20 man roster. And now we're getting into, the, Territory where the rosters are uh, going to be cut to eighteen guys, so teams are making some tough choices there. And so I write about uh, that team uh, every Friday. So uh, for now, it's just kind of uh, concentrating on on those uh, three weekly stories every week. So
1: yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's stuff that not, I mean, even if you have been in the FFPC main event um, for years uh it's still great reading it is still good work uh that that you're churning out and, and stuff that i think everybody um should really be paying attention to for the you know not even if you're playing in the main event football guys or anything you know i i think it's it's good high stakes knowledge that you are dropping there congratulations uh monty on the success um that you guys have already had uh i know last year was a good year for you especially during the regular season um, and then uh, this year, too, with the, with a team lurking um, that, that uh, is looking to do some damage as we approach the three-week sprint that's coming up in the FFPC main event. Good luck in all your leagues. Uh, keep up the great work, too. Uh, it, it's really beneficial for everybody out there. And thanks so much for joining me on the uh, lowdown this week. Appreciate it, man.
3: Thank you very much, Eric.
1: Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a roto podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the roto radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at roto Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to roto at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com/podcast
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your
0: occasion. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on
1: Showtime.
3: This is the story of the one.